I am coming to you from the Blue Wire Studios here in Las Vegas. This is the Win, the hotel resort and casino. And the Blue Wire Studios happen to be one of the coolest places to be. If you've ever been here and walked past, which there's a couple of people walking past right now. Let's see if they look. They did not. I guess I don't have the same intrigue I used to. Anyway, to all of you out there, welcome to the program. Thank you for uh, making me a part of your day. However you found me on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts. I am Eric Winalda. I am not William Wallace, but I certainly feel like it, or I might be about to feel like it. Lots to talk about. It's the international break. The United States has released their team. Greg Berhalter, God bless him, doing the best he can, trying to figure out how to appease everybody and not really caring. We've selected three different venues, as you may or may not know. They will be in Columbus, Ohio, Hamilton, Ontario, and St. Paul, Minnesota. Is there any, if we were really trying to pick the coldest three places to play, is that was the objective? Do they have a stadium up there in Connecticut? Maine, maybe? There's a lot of people talking about this, about how it was essentially put together a schedule for the U.S. national team to prepare for these three games, which will be uh, El Salvador and Canada, and of course, the last one against uh, Honduras. But in these three games, we're trying to make it difficult on the opponent because El Salvador has never seen snow before. I'm sure Canada, I mean, we can't do anything about that. We got to play in their stadium. But Minnesota, I just don't get it. If you're out there and you have a problem with this, hit me on Twitter at Eric Winalda with a little blue check mark and let me know what you think. It's, it's we're trying to, to make it difficult, I guess. We're also trying, apparently, to keep ourselves in close proximity to the next game. So we're limiting travel which is absolutely uh, ridiculous. I actually believe, I mean, look, Columbus is one of the venues. And because it's one of the venues, I have to think that there had to been some sort of paperwork on this. There was a deal. You know, pre-court left, he went to Austin, and guess what? He got a qualifier. Played a, we played a couple games in that stadium. But the people of Columbus, which is the, historically speaking, the Dos Cero, were probably screaming about the fact that they had a contract to have qualifiers in Columbus, maybe because of pre-court. I, I sound like a conspiracy theorist now, but there's a couple of omissions on the list. I'm going to go over the list. I'm going to go over each player. And I think some of these are more interesting than others, but this has been the narrative the last couple of days. How many MLS guys are on the list? How many of them are out of season? And it really shouldn't be about that. It should be about who's in form and who's not. There's some the news last week that the goalkeepers are, are Turner, Stefan, Johnson, and I'm going to say this right, Slonina. Now, we just call him Gaga. It makes it easier. I hope it's not Gag. It's, it's Gaga. He plays for the Chicago Fire. I think he's 17 years old. Very good. He's clearly not going to play. This is one of those deals where you just bring him in to give him some experience. That's what's going on there. Reggie Cannon is on the team. Sergio Des made the list. Uh, Brooks Lennon. We'll talk about him in a minute. It's always great when you have, in my opinion, the wrong Brooks in the team. I watched this kid play against uh, Bosnia. He's not there. I don't know why he's there. These are questions for other people. Chris Richards McKenzie's on the team. Both Robinsons, Miles and, uh, and Anthony. And then DeAndre Yedlin is still with us. And Walker Zimmerman, who is just going on every single broadcast that he can, telling everybody how much he loves snow. Can't wait for the cold. Okay. All right. All right. Good job. I know. They got to you first. Kellen Acosta, who has been in the news because he was uh, recently traded from Colorado to LAFC. So it's odd to see LAFC next to his 45 and two, meaning 45 games, two goals. Tyler Adams is on the team, which I'm happy about. Luca Delatore. Like this kid? 
like this move. One of the few things that I really like about this group. And the reason why everybody is screaming for Greg's head, Sebastian Legette, who has just recently made a move to New England from Los Angeles. I don't know why everybody hates the guy. He's not that bad and he's not that good. But I've said this before. Sometimes you got guys on your team who are very good team guys. They make people laugh. They make the dinners and the lunches uh, certainly enjoyable. And they're really hard to get rid of. My guess is he might be on that list. Yunus Musa is, is here. Christian Roldan, the other one of source of everyone's venom. And nobody can figure out why, why he is so well-liked by Greg Berhalter. I personally like him. I do. And he's going to play against his brother again. And it's going to be interesting. So Brendan Aronson made the list. Uh, Paul Ariola, who has also been in the news because there's been some speculation that he didn't want to go to Mexico. And now he's going to stay in D.C. There was some ideas that he might move somewhere else, but that didn't happen. So Jesus Ferreira is also here. Jordan Morris on his 40 and 10, 40 games, 10 goals. Ricardo Pepe on his way back. I'll talk about him in a second. Tim Weah, Christian Pulisic, and Jossie Zardes. Now, some of you out there are saying, really? That's it? That's the best we got? To give you the quick update of how everything stands, the only undefeated team in this whole outfit is still Canada. They've had eight games, 4-1, four draws, looking good, 13 points. United States right behind him with 12. 4-3-1. We all know when we got the loss. Mexico, 4-2-2. Almost sounds like a lineup if you're Ralph Reinick. with On 11 points, Panama is stuck with them with 11 as well. Costa Rica is where the big drop-off is. Now we go down to six. So all things included, and then Jamaica, El Salvador, Honduras are the bottom dwellers. All things included, the United States is in a really good spot. They really are. Because you don't, when you're in a qualification process, we'd all love to see us come in first. But the reality is, who cares who comes in first? As long as you qualify, we could think about that for a second. We couldn't figure that out last time. We couldn't beat Trinidad and Tobago. Maybe they, maybe they just are better than us because they're two countries. Hey, see that? I finally got a wave and a look. I'm looking at you. Can you see me? Oh, I just embarrassed her. I shouldn't have done that. At some point, we'll put the video out so you'll understand why I'm uh, conversing with uh, people walking by. We've had some funny stuff happen. I always watch for jerseys. I want. I'm hoping. I get to see a soccer fan cruise by. A lot of football jerseys this week. And got to admit it, man, if you're a football fan, if you're a fan of the NFL, and this is, this is a, a thing for this broadcast because everything that is great about the NFL happened in the last couple of days. We all got to villainize uh, Aaron Rodgers and then he lost, right? And the way that the playoffs are set up, it's the same way the MLS is set up. You know, we'd had a team come in, what, fourth or fifth this year and they won the whole thing? They barely, they, they, they kind of like squeaked into the playoffs, but they, they clearly were not the best team in the league until the end, which is the way this works. And that's why Green Bay sitting this thing out. And as good as Buffalo was yesterday, they got beat in the last minute and they're going to be out as well. Tampa and Tom Brady, great comeback, a little bit of a lapse. The funniest part about that game was watching 300-pound men run as fast as they possibly could downfield for the Rams because they had to run essentially 80 yards so they could spike the ball before they ran out of time. That was actually comedy, if you really want to know. Those guys have never run 80 yards in their life. Eight yards is a reason to be winded for those guys. But anyway, they did make it, and Stafford got to spike it, and they kicked the field goal, and they knocked him out. Great games, though. You really got to say, the great game. Phenomenal games. All right, so I just went over the list. That's it. Uh, now, the big omission to a lot of people was Joe Scally, who is still playing really well uh, in the 22 appearances this year for Gladbach. 19 of those in the Bundesliga, of course, and then three in the German Cup. 
He has played extremely well. He's got 17 starts. Now, in in the big world of things and the way we look at form and all that business, he clearly is in form. And a lot of question marks as to why he wasn't brought in. Now, I'm going to go back to Brooks Lennon, who has one appearance for Atlanta. And basically, Liverpool background, moved to the United States, Salt Lake, and now Atlanta. I watched him against Bosnia. And until he proves otherwise, that is not what a national team player looks like. Sorry, Brooks, get better. Now, John Brooks is not on the team. And, you know, I have a lot of people asking questions, did not have a good start to the qualification process. You blame a couple goals on him. I would actually go back to the Gold Cup when I was actually very impressed with him against Honduras, in fact. In the 22nd minute, there was an altercation, and our team got to show us every element of what it takes to be a team. And John Brooks was a great leader in that team. But there's a lot of stuff that surfaced on Twitter this week that showed a different John Brooks. And what I mean by that is, this is how this works sometimes. He was a part of a 2-0 loss this past weekend to Leipzig. He didn't play particularly bad. Didn't play particularly, you can't blame the goals on him. It's just his team ran into a better team in Leipzig. But those people on Twitter find these, this footage of some back and forth between Greg Berhalter and a break. And I, could t- I, I saw the way Greg looked at him, the way Greg was dismissive to him, and the way John Brooks kind of shook his head. Those are the kind of moments that, that you, you know, we, we say, well, it, it shouldn't be a big deal. But for whatever reason, I think it is. It is a big deal. Because John Brooks, as a senior player, is questioning his coach. And it's very clear that they disagree in this footage. Find it on Twitter. I'm not going to send it out. I'm not trying to stir the, the pot here. I'm just simply pointing out the obvious. But doesn't this remind us of how it didn't really work out for the German players who tried to play for Bob Bradley and then suddenly they were an integral part of Klinsmann's setup and how the German players aren't getting along with the current coach? Why is that? There's a lot going on. I am still, I'm encouraging everybody to be supporters. Because this is, the, this is the last thing. I mean, they have to stay in their bubble. They, have to, they, don't, they don't hear you. I know you would love to think that your little tweets and the little things that you say and your opinions about this team are going to have some direct effect on Greg Berhalter. Newsflash, he's too busy. He did do an interview a couple of days ago where he didn't look like he was in a good mood at all. And that was unfortunately put, you know, but there was visuals to that. And one of the questions was, you know, some of these guys, what do you mean by that? was Greg's immediate response. So maybe there was a, 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 you know, a pretty short fuse there where he didn't, want to, uh, he, didn't want to, he didn't want to take that kind of criticism. He's building a team. I think he's done a great job of building a culture. But the real question is, why isn't Scali there? Why isn't Brooksy there? What, what's the reason? What's the real reason? Because every time we ask, we don't get an answer. We just, and that's the right thing to do as a manager. You can't focus on the people who aren't there. But that's what we do. That's, it's really interesting. As a country, the second that this list comes out, people are so brave, but they're not really saying names. They're not, they're not really going after anybody and saying, why is that guy there? All they do is talk about who's not at the party. It's so weird. I mean, would you do that? Would you go to a party, right? And then kind of survey the room and then say, God, I really wish so-and-so was here because this party would be so much better if they were here. What does that say about the people that are there? That, oh, you suck. You're not interesting. I don't want to talk to you. So we as supporters in our way of trying to support or trying to act knowledgeable, hey, I know what's going on. I've been, and then somebody wants us to shoot all these stats out and say, 
well, this is what this guy's been doing, and he deserves to be there a hell of a lot more than so-and-so. It's all part of the pressure that you go through as a national team player, which is fine. But it's still, it's still such a negative narrative. So support your damn team, people. It's just support them. You know, I had my little blow up after the Bosnia game because I did not appreciate fans, not fans, one kid asking for an autograph and eight of our guys walk right past him. It bothered me. It broke my heart, actually. You know, you hold up the sign. Hey, thank you, fans. And then you neglect the one actual fan that you really needed. And that kid's never coming back to watch you play, guys. So you blew it. I mean, this isn't a uh, head and shoulders commercial where you only get one chance at a first impression, but you blew that one. Let's talk about who we're going to rely on here. Because everybody's trying to prognosticate what the lineup's going to look like. Is it Stefan or is it Turner? These are weird scenarios, guys. I'm telling you, if they're, the agents are smart. Because if you're all thinking that Matt Turner's going to Arsenal, why is that happening? Because the agents are trying to position their client, whether that's real or not. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just saying agents do this. They try and persuade the national team coach, with whether it's a false narrative or it's real, that I'm trying to make a move for my player and it would be really great if he was on the field. Now, Zach Steffen ain't going anywhere. He ain't going anywhere. He's at Man City. He's the backup and he plays in the cup matches. End of story. Which takes me back to the last game of the year for Man City, by the way. Perfect way to end the year. No, Zach. A perfect way to end the year would, would actually be you in the net playing. That would have been better. Perfect is, is a word I think you just didn't understand on, in that one. You could say a nice way to finish the year for your team and be a team guy, but perfect with you off the field makes us all think that you really don't have the kind of ambition that we were hoping you would have because we, we, we are supporting you. We want you to be on the field. So don't tell us it's perfect with you sitting on the bench. Okay, thanks. All right, you're never going to hear that, but everybody else does. Great. So Matt Turner might have a shot at this one, guys. Very much so. And it's mainly because of the players who are in camp. If you go back through the summer, back through some of the qualification process, Turner has not had a slip-up yet. He really hasn't. Maybe the goal against Panama, that header, they could, have been, they could have dealt with that a little bit. That's not an excuse to get him out of there, but maybe there's more of a fight as to who's going to start. We're assuming it's Stefan. Might be a curveball coming your way there. As far as the rest of them goes, it's really going to come down to who is in the net may determine that back line. So keep that in mind. Zimmerman has not had any time with Zach. It's something to think about. Anytime, meaning limited time. Now, Weston McKinney, even though Landon Donovan thought we'd never see him again, has had quite a resurgence. So I think we might, we're not going to get the Fab Four, meaning we're not going to get Gio in there, but we might get McKinney, Adams, Pulisic, and Musa. I'd rather see Gio Reyna back in there because the, if Gio Reyna's back in there, then you might get an opportunity to actually protect Christian Pulisic and put him in a position where he's not going to get kicked as much, and, and at least he's rested and ready to go when uh, they finally win the ball back and give it to him. I'm not sold on Jordan Morris just yet. I watched that Bosnia game. I watched that Bosnia game. He's going to need more time. There's a hitch in his step. That's not a limp. That's what you run like when you've had an ACL surgery. Tim Way, I'm hoping he gets time, man. Zardis will probably be a sub, but Pepe will probably play. Now, let's get to him. Let's talk about him a little bit. And this is where I, I, I get to play a little bit of Nostradamus here. I Almost a month ago, we're going to roll some tape here. This is what, essentially, I said before this actually happened. Here, have a listen. That's just not going to be a good game for him. Watch him go and score. Everybody's saying, is he going to get his first start? Probably not ready for that yet. If he does get his first start and he gets substituted in the 59th minute, 
then what's the conversation without scoring or playing well? Okay, there it is. What's the mindset right now? And again, keep in mind, that's a month ago. So some of you out there, they'll say, well, that, that went all day. He's just, he's just jealous. He's just bashing on the kid. No, I've been there. I've been in that scenario and it is not fun. Now, the way it used to work in the 90s, of course, is you get up in the morning and you make a little stop by uh, maybe one of those little newspaper places and you read Kicker Magazine or the local paper. And there's a guy in there who's just absolutely slaughtering you if you play bad. And it sucks. It sucks to read that. Our good friend Derek Ray, who I'm going to have on the program after the qualification process, keeps being the one, unfortunately, because of his love for the Bundesliga and the fact that he speaks the language and can read German. He's always been the filter of, of giving us the information on what exactly they are saying about our $20 million 19-year-old. Now, in that little clip a month ago, he comes out in the 59th minute, doesn't score. What happens next? That's exactly what just happened in a 5-1 loss to Leverkusen. He came out in the 59th minute, and he woke up in the morning to some of the papers referring to him as the worst decision ever by Augsburg. Now, what does that do to your head? Because in the old days, you read the paper. Today, all you got to do is look at your phone. Don't look at your phone for a while, Ricardo. Don't. Because it's not going to be pretty. And you're going to have, and this is what happens in Germany. And we've seen it with numerous players. And that doesn't mean they have to be American. I mean, even Clint Mathis in his time in Hanover. He wasn't getting enough time. And then he finally gets in a game and he scores and he, and he does the whole thing like, hey, check your, like about time to his manager. You think that went over well? Hell no. They kicked him out of the club. But this is when you see angry celebrations. This is when you see people, players, who put their hand to their ear. Because they, hey, what are you going to say now? I finally scored. Shut up. It does, as much as we say it doesn't have an effect on us, it does. Some people have the mechanisms to handle it better than others. Some of us do not. Some of us take it to heart. I certainly did as a young, impressionable player. I remember when walking into a team meeting before we played against Karlsruhe and one of the local papers billed, which is the equivalent, essentially, of the National Enquirer, but they put some stuff in there and then they had this huge picture of me with Mickey Mouse ears. And whether the coach had said it or not, there it is, a big picture on my fat head with Mickey Mouse ears, and we're not afraid of Mickey Mouse, is a quote from Vinny Schaefer, the coach of Carlsruhe. And I remember how angry I was, but I threw the paper down. I pretended like it didn't bother me, and I said, you know, F that guy. Let's go. And my teammates were really happy to see me not react. Like, oh, my God, they think I'm Mickey Mouse. I'm not saying that Pepe's having these kind of reactions, but the kid's alone. He's on his own. He has had, and Derek Ray has pointed it out, he has had the worst rating on the field three games in a row. And if you watch the game against Leverkusen, as the ball came to him, he tried to do a back heel. He missed it completely. It hit his other foot and went out of bounds. And there was laughter. That wears on you. Is he trying to do too much? All this stuff matters right now. He's probably picking up his phone and he's not able to understand everything. Don't translate it. Don't look at it for a while, Ricardo until you score. How you react in that moment, we'll understand. Because I know how I handled it with Vinny Schaefer after the game was over and we won 2-0 and I scored both goals. I still had my, my cleats on and I walked into his press conference and shook his hand and said, hey, by the way, my name's Eric Winalda. You can, you're going to call me Vinalda, but my name's Eric. 
It's not Mickey. And the look at his face was great. He goes, well, I know this now, but I, I told him, hey, but if you want to come to America, California, I'll, I'll, on vacation, great. I'll take you on a tour, buddy. I'll introduce you to the real Mickey Mouse. But it's not me, asshole. That's the way I handled it because I was angry. And I had, obviously, leverage because I just had a good game. Ricardo Pepe hasn't had a good minute yet. 80 minutes, 20 minutes, 59. So when he returns back to save the United States now, we're going to put more pressure on this kid. Let's not be surprised if he's substituted again. And he'll smile, and, and well, maybe he won't. Since I'm already playing Nostradamus, I think this is what will happen. I think Zardis will come in for him, and he'll come out of a game that he has not scored in again, and we can blame the conditions. It's going to, it's going to be snowing, for crying out loud. I think Goff is, is the one that's taken over that. <laughs> Steve Goff out there in D.C., he's the one who did the interview with Greg, and he's the one that's been uh, playing weatherman right now. The weather watch has begun. I think that was his last tweet. I do like Steve Goff. I like him a lot. Well, he's not a weatherman, but he certainly is going to understand this. But what's going to happen is, since I'm going to try again, I think I'm like three for three lately, he will get subbed off, probably in the 75th minute, without a goal. And he's going to try and muster up a smile, and Jesse's artist is going to go out there and score. And then it's just going to be, some. I mean, and this is the hard part. Some of us are going to be shaking our head going, oh, come on, really? And what we need to understand is, what we need to, we hope that Greg has, a, has his, his finger on the pulse right now of who's in form and who's, who's ready for this. Because it's so easy to come off the bench in a qualifier. It's so easy. A hell of a lot easier than putting your hand on your heart, staring at those people and hoping that today works out. Because sometimes it's a rough ride. But he will walk past Greg Berhalter and they'll give him the, the clap and everybody will try to be supportive. And he'll make his way to the bench and then the cameras will be off him. And his head's going into both hands. And, he, and, and, and it, here's the hard part. He was hoping that this would kind of save him, come back to the U.S. team and get a goal and get back on track. It's a no-win situation. Because if he scores for us and goes back to Germany and continues not to score, they hate you more. Again, I lived it. Played in the Copa America in 95. Scored a couple of great goals in the, in the, uh, in the tournament. The team had great success going to the semifinals. And I pulled my groin to the extent where I needed surgery in the last game. They put me on that plane and sent me home. And they said, wait, you're hurt? And it's the look you get of like, because you understand what you're getting into when, when anybody buys the rights to a player that's going to play for his country. And we're seeing this right now with the African Cup of Nations. A lot of those guys are going to come back hurt. It's hard. Go down to Africa and play. Go see your family. Listen to the music. Go be a part of that vibe. And then it's like, hey, it's over. Got to fly back to the rain that's going to hit you on the side of the head, not the top of the head. And it's 37 degrees. And it's hard to, to muster up a good attitude when you play for club and country. It's hard. It's going to be hard for Pepe. And I, and, I, and I hope everybody out there understands that I'm not coming at this from the angle or lens of somebody who's just trying to stir it up. I just think Pepe needs a friend right now. He really does. And on the heels of that, for those of us who are paying attention, how about Josh Sargent? Baby New Year. That's what I keep calling him. I know that's rude. That's not very nice. However, two goals. Big smile. And, and if you watch the first goal, I made this point before the game, by the way. This pookie guy. That bald little bastard doesn't want to pass the ball to Sargent for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. I actually called him Swedish on purpose because I know he's Finnish. But go watch his first goal. He wasn't passing it to Sargent. And Sargent pulls one. Pulls a rabbit out of a hat with this like weird back heel slash scorpion goal. But that's how the game works. Just a little bit of good fortune. 
and he might be back on track. And he's certainly not a part of this national team call-up. But God bless him. God love him. I just, I, you know, it's, it's all that crap that he's gone through. The fans chanting USA. If you were to take, we had a camera. And what it was like to wake up the next morning as Josh Sargent. He opened his eyes and he had that moment where he go, okay, where am I? Oh my God, that happened yesterday. You want to get out of bed. You want to go talk to somebody. And then flip over to a 19-year-old kid living over there by himself opens his eyes and goes, we got beat five to one. Yeah, these people want to kill me. It's two different mindsets. But the reality is, is Josh Sargent should probably call Pepe and say, you're get through this, man. It's like, it's like war. I'll come get you if I have to, but cheer him up. This game can be so, so, so cool. You watch it. And, and the, if I'm going to play, uh, play this game some more, try and prognosticate what's going to happen. Josh Sargent's going to go on a little bit of a roll here. There's a guy on Twitter. I'm sorry, I forgot your handle. But he has been preaching that Josh Sargent is playing out of position. He shouldn't be a forward. He shouldn't be a forward if he's playing with Pookie because Pookie's not going to pass the ball to him anyway. I don't know what his, his, his get-up is, but that guy couldn't pass an Army entrance exam. I don't know how many assists he got, but I think that last one was an accident. Okay, it's either shoot or shoot. That's the two options for that guy. But in that, that guy on Twitter, he's been saying this for a long time. The guy's a midfielder. Change his position, change his outlook, take the pressure off. When you're not a forward and you play on the wing, you're not expected to score. You're expected to play well. But when you get two goals from a new position, welcome to your new position. His coach is essentially basically saying, well, all right, took us a while, but I think this is going to work out for you, son. And man, I hope it does. It was great to see him smile again. It really, really was. Now, I'm not going to make any predictions as to what this lineup's going to look like. I do think there's a couple of guys in here that are just getting there along for the ride. I don't think some of them will play at all. And uh, if we were to go through all three games and try and figure out how many points we get out of this deal, I think it's two ties and a win. By the time we get to Minnesota and we finally win in Minnesota and we've had, we're sitting on two ties, man, the, uh, people are going to be going nuts. And Greg's going to be trying to figure it out. I still haven't made up with Greg, by the way. He's mad at me because I said, at least we effing cared. The reason why I gave, and it was actually my, my in-laws are here today. They're in the studio listening to this. And they can, if, if you could hear them, they would, or they're shaking their head. When, once I start saying this, I actually didn't do that video from an Uber. I did it from the back of their car. And I blamed it on a, uh, a few too many uh, Michelob Ultras. But I was in the back of their car when I, when I was angered by the fact that our fans or our Players refused to sign an autograph for one kid. Really bothered. Right after it was over and I was thinking about taking that thing down, which I eventually did, I thought maybe there was a COVID protocol there. Maybe they were told not to shake hands or, you know, fist pump anything, anybody because of COVID restrictions. But it turns out there wasn't any. Shit, there wasn't anybody at that game. But I will, I will do my best. I will uh, continue to be honest about this stuff. And once that team comes out, that back line could be all over the place. I do think Chris Richards deserves to play. I do think Chris Richards can handle some weather. I'm not entirely sure that Dest can. I think both Robinsons might be a good option. And, and Zimmerman, since he loves the cold weather, let's give him a shot. As far as that midfield is concerned, I'm hoping Luca Delatore gets in the game. He won't start and neither will Legette. But I do think Weston McKinney starts. I think Musa starts. I think Tyler Adams starts. And that last one is up for grabs. We have realized that Brendan Aronson does have a, a tendency to find Pepe a lot. They seem to have some sort of 
connection, which is great, which means Pulisic will fill up that last forward position. And if Areola doesn't get any time, half of you will be uh, screaming at the rain and the rest of you will be celebrating. And I, I think Tim Whale will be a great sub. So I'll figure that out later. As for now, try to behave yourselves out there. When you go on Twitter and you, you start throwing rocks, just be careful. Not because your, your, your voice isn't being heard or is being heard or you're just you're having a conversation with like three people and you just, you just try to figure out a way to support. I was going to talk about Pifo, who looks like he's on his way to, uh, to Italy. And uh, I'm not even going to bring up the fact that that's American ownership. It's cool. It's great that we got, we got American players moving around. But I would encourage you to do some investigating here and look at who's buying, what's real, and what's a narrative. Either way, uh, we are a couple of games away. My son turns 13 tomorrow. So a happy birthday to Braden, who is becoming quite an internet uh, sensation. We were just at the KC uh, Coaches Convention, and apparently we've caught the eye of Playmaker, which is a, a device that you can put on your shoe. I met with their CEO. I met with their whole group. Very cool. Very cool technology. But what's really even cooler than that is my son was, we were just practicing and I put some of this stuff on Twitter and they reached out to us and said, we love your kid. Can he uh, give us more content? I said, absolutely. Try not to violate. I, I, think I, I think I can get away with him getting paid now without violating his uh, college eligibility because of all the new rules. But that was cool. And for some of you who have been paying attention to my daughter, Tatum Milan Winalda, she's been in the news very recently. So I'm having a good dad week. It's been fun watching uh, my daughter be a part of an undefeated team. And for those of you who don't know the story, she once told me that she was going to be better than I ever was. And I reminded her the other day that she already is. And the reason why I say that is because if you caught that on Twitter, I don't know if I would have handled that interview the same way she did. She complimented the other team, her team, Never said I, talked about a goal that was scored by her, but she attributed it to her team. There was no look at me, look at me moment in there. And I was so proud. As a dad, for all of my flaws, she has managed to be, if it's soccer and, and we're related and it's genetics, I don't care about all that stuff. I do, but I, she is certainly a better version of me in that sense. She's a better teammate and she's a better leader, I would say, at a very young age on her way to Pepperdine on a full ride scholarship. So again, I've had a good dad week. It was fantastic to see everybody in, in Kansas City be a part of a podcast row. My session went really well. I was really proud of it and happy with it. My The three myths of coaching in America that I made a part of, it. one, not first and foremost, but the first thing that I, I'm trying to help coaches understand is you're not a teacher. The game is the teacher. Two, winning is important. And we cannot marry ourselves to a, a me- mediocrity. And then complain when we get to a final and don't do it. When we have incrementally taken part in this participation trophy culture, which does not equate to winning or having the right winning mentality or culture. And the last one is that we are not progressing. Simply because we've overcomplicated a very simple message. We don't know who we are. I'll I'll leave you with this. The coolest message I got, and I'm going to leave this guy's name out of it, but from a very high profile club in Europe. He walked up to me and he said, you know, I don't like you. And I said, why is that? And he said, because you're the first American that I've heard with the correct messaging to get better as a soccer nation. 
And we've been very much enjoying watching the country stumble all over itself, trying to figure itself out. But if people start listening to you with all your resources, your country might get better. So I thought it was a great compliment. I know that's self-serving for me to say that, but I'll give you this. He was Dutch. And I think he was just talking to another Dutchman. I think he was just, and I can tell you this about the Dutch. All we need, if I'm Dutch, to get in an argument in a locker room is a mirror. We can talk a dog out of a bush and back in again. And we certainly can be our worst enemy at times. And I'm, talk, I'm speaking as if I'm Dutch. W-Y-N-A-L-D-A used to be W-I-J-N-A-L-D-A, like Schneider or Reichardt. So go figure. Maybe that's why I am the way I am. But I am done today. I'm going to go uh, take my in-laws to lunch in the great win. There's a, there's a place called Charlie's that we like to go to with the Reuben sandwich. It's very good. If you're ever in uh, at the win, get the Reuben. Trust me, you can not lose. But in the meantime, as I always say, be good humans out there. Take care of each other. Respect each other. Accept each other. Do that and you're off to a good start. In the meantime, we'll hear you next time.